0: Hi friends, it's Susan Blackwell from The Spark File, your one-stop shop for creativity where our doors are open and if you smell something delicious, that's because Laura Camion and I have been cooking up something special, something designed to make a big difference in people's creative lives. Enter The Brave Creative, a free 5-day guided adventure to rediscover the vitality energy and possibility in your creative process whether you're a writer a performer a baker a candlestick maker navigating the creative process can be a bear but never fear there's power in numbers at the spark file so let's link arms and make the trip together it's may 13th through 17th 7 p.m eastern less than one hour per day and if you can't join live don't worry about it. You can watch the replay. Join us by going to thesparkfile.com to register. And hey, if you're not familiar with the Sparkfile, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Secondly, we work with hundreds of creatives of all different kinds who are ready to take their next big step. We help folks fear less and create more in a community that is so fun and vibrant. And if you have joined us before, know that we are going deep with the brave creative. So buckle up, Buttercup. It is going to be an awesome adventure. Go to thesparkfile.com to register, but do it soon because it all starts May 13th. thesparkfile.com. Register now. The Sparkfile podcast may contain profanity and other adult content. Please use your discretion.
1: when i bump into something
0: that inspires me i dump it in my spark To spark To be something that i want to make or how i want to be i pump it in my spark fire. Spark
1: i jump into my spark
0: Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to The Spark File, your one-stop shop for creative inspiration. I'm Laura Kamian. And I'm Susan Blackball. And we are makers who
1: make all kinds of things. That's right. And if you're like us and you're making stuff all the time, you know that sometimes the fish pond of inspiration can get a little tapped out. So
0: we're on the lookout for fresh ideas, images, and inspiration that spark our creativity and pique our curiosity, things that inspire us to get off our asses and make things. I like this podcast. Um, or a, a birthday cake or a really tricked out terrarium.
1: Yes, girl, girl that's so true. So every episode we're going to reach into the spark file and exchange some sparks. And then we're going to talk to some folks who spark us too.
0: And If you're not careful, you might just get your fish pond restocked. So without <sighs> further ado, Word. let's open up the spark file. The spark file. Oh, I don't know al- why I did that. An alternative <laughs> jingle. I'll take it. Will you tell the people, I'd never heard of the term a spark file or the spark file yeah. until I heard it from you. I heard um, it from you. I got it from you. I, I got it from you, Dad. It. So tell me, tell the people what that means to you.
1: I first heard the phrase a few years ago, and up until that point, I was like, like most people, I kept random ideas kind of everywhere in files called "random ideas," um, and that wasn't very inspiring. Uh, but this randos is randos in this file and ten other files. Yeah. So um the spark file is just that. It's the idea it's the idea place. It's where you put all those little gems. So whether
0: when something you read something or something yeah. pops into your mind and you're like, oh, that would be a great line or a great character. Yes. Or you, you hear th-
1: people talking on the subway and you're like, Are you kidding me? You throw it me. in your spark they just file. said that.
0: I need that line in yeah. my life.
1: Yeah. And you put it in there.
0: So that's yeah. So I similarly had across different, you know, it's a little bit in my phone, a little bit in like 10 million abandoned journals just these little um, sparks of (laughs) internal and external inspiration and um, started collecting them now in something that I call my own spark file file. so we are literally on this podcast each week weekly are we making that commitment we're doing it it's weekly
1: just tune in weekly. doing
0: things means doing things um We are going to open up our spark files, and we're going to share some sparks that inspire That's us, right. and uh, you know, hopefully, they'll inspire you too.
1: In some cases, these sparks are brand spanking new sparks that went in this week. In some cases, we may discover old sparks, ye, ye oldie sparks. What the hell? One was of mine I is thinking a, when yeah, I put that in. Yes, there?
0: yes, 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 yes.
1: And um, you know, dig it up and get it. Let it see the the light of day. That's right. That's right. We should also it say out. that um, we believe, can I speak for both of us? <laughs> I'm nervous. Go <laughs> It depends Go on ahead. what you say. <laughs> um, that, you know, that ideas are free-flowing and they're everywhere if you're looking for them and we're not, uh, you know, we don't treat them like they're so precious that we won't ever get another one of them. That's so right. We are There's an abundance. Them. And we know that what you make with our with the spark is going to be different than what we make from it. If we ever we know make you're something going to make an it, amazing so.
0: contemporary dance piece, That's while I'm going to be right. making a graphic novel, and Camion's going to be making a tone poem.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First, she will learn what that is. Um, but yeah, we're going to um, share these ideas. They're free for the taking and the making. So please, if you feel inspired, go for it. Should we
0: start? Yes, oh, do it. God, I am crazy excited to share the spark with you i can't wait it gives me chills um this is the spark the spark that literally lives in my phone my spark file file in my phone app Mm -hmm. um here we go she has been described as courageous brave there was nothing being made in the whole world like what she was making hilma off clint painted for the future the future is now (gasps) what? <gasps> I know <laughs> you're like I don't know what that's those okay. sentences mean um I would like to just acknowledge that this spark came to me from my little homeboy Zachary Quinto oh, thank, thank you, you Zachary Zach. Quinto this uh he was like, do you know about Hilma af Clint? And I was like, I don't know what that mm. sentence means. <laughs> so I want to thank him. Um, I yes. pulled my info for this from four main sources. A New York Times article called Hilma Who? No More by Roberta mm. Smith. A 2013 New York Times article by Natalia Rocklin. The website of the Guggenheim Museum, including a video that they beautifully produced. Um, the Hilma of clint Foundation website. I guess nice. there's five. And an article written by Jennifer Higgy on the website Freeze. And even with all of that, I'm not an art historian, so I'm probably gonna fuck up some of these details, but the sparks remain, baby. Mm. So um Hilma off Clint. Hilma H-I-L-M-A, lowercase A-F Clint, K-L-I-N-T, Hilma off-clint. A woman, an artist born in Stockholm, Sweden, about five foot one inches of fun. Oh. So she's a little peanut, just picture her. Um Hilma of Clint Paintings for the Future is the first major solo exposition exhibition? Exhibition mm, okay. in the United States devoted to her, the Guggenheim Museum in New York. And if you don't know the Guggenheim, it's that museum on Fifth Avenue east of Central Park. Mm-hmm. It's big, it's white. It looks like the most stylish, beautiful, spiral parking garage you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Does that ring a bell? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Well, yeah, listen, I I'm I'm <laughs> a little museum phobic. So are
1: you really? I, I am.
0: It gives you. me like a tired feeling.
1: Immediately upon entering?
0: Uh, no, not immediately. It's so funny. Zach was actually saying he was I told when he was like, Have you seen the show? And I was like, hmm, museums make me feel tired. Mm. And he said, Here's what you gotta do. You have to get either a like the recorded audio tour mm-hmm. or if you're lucky enough, like a docent, he's like, if you just go in and just try to ingest all that and read all those little placards and stuff, you won't get like, it all go in with some um help and you will have a more pleasurable experience. And I think he's right. So I want to read to you from the New York times review of this show, this exhibition, this is written by Roberta Smith. If you like to hallucinate, but to stay in the requisite stimulants, spend some time in the Guggenham. (laughs) Guggenham. That's what I call it. I don't know what you call it. That's what the kids are calling it in the Guggenham museum's (laughs) staggering exhibition, Hilma off Clint paintings for the future. The museum's high gallery, the name has added resonance in this context, displays the show's <laughs> rapturous overture, a series of 10 paintings by Clint. Collectively titled The 10 Largest, they may induce disorientation, not the least for the way they blow open art history. And, um, Cams, I just want to show you.
1: Oh, okay. Check Let's out this see. work. <gasps> what? Tell me what you're seeing. For the listener at home
0: just just give me a little oh, description the
1: first thing i thought was like like orange crush it's got a very pop poppy kind of feel yeah at least that one yeah there um vibrant colors big flowers, colors big big colors flowers here's another one a little yeah psychedelic you could totally go there in an altered state yeah wow but big when colors she, shh, you, shh, oh, oh, don't oh, you get, oh, get ahead of me sorry We'll
0: find out when, um bu- 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 bu. the scale of the motifs and the painting's sheer size, ten feet by nearly uh. nine feet, invite you to step in and float away to the music of the spheres.
1: whoa,
0: that sorry. was a crash. that was me, oh, yeah, <laughs> all right, sorry, um, that's okay. P.S. It's pretty baller to imagine this five foot one peanut yeah. doing these huge paintings. They're twice her size. Mm-hmm. Back to Roberta. The ten largest—that's what the, yeah. that series of ten paintings is called—seem utterly contemporary, made yesterday fresh. But prepare for label shock. They were created in nineteen oh seven. Stop
1: it. Yep. You nothing like that. I've never seen anything like that. I know. From the early 1900s. That's right. So let's back it up. Holy shit! They yes. must have thought
0: she was cray
1: cray. Let's back it up. Okay. Let's unpack okay. it. So okay.
0: Helma Off Clint was born in 1862 into a prominent Swedish family. Her father was a naval officer. Her grandfather was a nautical cartographer. Fancy. That's a um, big word. No. Too. Uh, she was one of the earliest women to train at the Royal Academy of Fine Arts in Stockholm, graduating with honors in 1887 at the age of 25. While she was there, she painted what you would think a lady of the time would paint, botanical studies, landscapes, like pretty lady portraits and self-portraits. But her interest in spiritualism and the science of the day sparked new ideas for Hilma of Glint. Around the age of 17, perhaps in part because of the death of her sister, she began to conduct seances with a group of like-minded ladies. They called themselves the Friday Group, also known as the Five which is fucking badass. Whoa. The Friday group or The Five five. would both be great band names. Yes. Yes. The Five would be a great band name for a rock duo. Um, (laughs) The Five seem to be interested in a mix of spiritualism, science, Christianity, and the work of Rudolf Steiner, who was a proponent of a philosophy called, anthroposophy what? was founded by this in the 19th century and it postulates the existence of an objective intellectually comprehensible spiritual world accessible to human experience you know wikipedia wrote that sentence because you know i sure as fuck didn't okay
1: i'm still digesting it
0: i think it means uh, An objective, intellectually comprehensible spiritual world accessible to human experience so that the the spirit world Mm -hmm. is actually something that is real and accessible to us Mm -hmm. as humans. Mm -hmm. So at their Friday seances, the five um, would start with prayers. They would study the New Testament. It was such a tossed salad. Prayers, studied the New Testament, meditated, and then had spiritual seances. (laughs) on a friday night just some five ladies on a friday night seriously these ladies were getting down (laughs) uh they did automatic writings and media mystic drawings um during trance-like states the five eventually made contact with spiritual beings whom they called the high ones or the high masters and i think in the original swedish it's de hulga again I am just handing out great band names Mm -hmm. for you people. Mm -hmm. Free Mm -hmm. band names. Get your free band band names. names right here. They even named the High Masters. High Master Roll Call. Here we go: Amalil, Ananda, Clemens, Esther, George, and Gregor which are also choice baby names, y'all oh I'm God. handing out, I'm dealing out free like baby names just here. Like conjured something by naming all of them. Oh God damn. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> the hookah come? podcast? Gosh, the hookah come down the <laughs> chimney. Um, by 1904, the high masters began calling for a te- So, the, spir- the spirit guides, right? Yes, yes. In 1904, the spirit guides began calling for a temple filled with paintings to be created. The high masters wanted this work to be an artistic message for humankind. When the four other ladies of the five declined the commission, <laughs> so the four other ladies were like, Nope, no nope, good. Nope, no. Nope. I'm out. <laughs> Peace. Um, they declined the commission. And at the age of 43, Hilma accepted it. In November 1906, she began work on the paintings for the temple. Just to be clear, the commission was from the spirits. That's right. Were they were they compensating her in some way? Well, here's the thing: I had to like go back when I first heard. I was like, a commission doesn't that usually involve like, so we'll give you, we'll put 50 percent down, right? When we see the first round of yeah. paintings, we'll give you the next 25. <laughs> That's right. But I I think they just I think what they mean is there was like a spiritual mandate. They asked for it and Yeah, she said,
1: I'm game. She said,
0: I'm your girl. Okay. Which I love. Wow. The commission, which she painted in secret between 1906 and 1915, that's nine years, right? Would change the course of her life. It became her life's work. She claimed that she merely served as a medium for this body of work and that spiritual forces had guide, guided her hand during the execution. The contact with spiritual guides who both inspired her and communicated with her wore for Hilma, as real as the impressions given by the five physical senses. So that goes back to that Rudy Steiner, mm-hmm. whatever I just called that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But that that it was as real as this table. Mm-hmm. For her, it was that real. By visualizing inner processes and experiences, and by describing these as concretely and precisely as possible, she proceeded to develop a very personal expression. She really believed that this work had essential meaning regarding how the world is put together. So it's almost like, it reminds me like if you did an exercise where you're like, I'm going to shut my eyes. I'm going to see what I see behind my eyelids. Like, what do I visualize? And then being like, and now I'm going to get it down on canvas. But for her, it was this influence of the spirit world. But what's crazy,
1: and and people, when they look up her artwork, it is, it looks like the 1960s. Word. It's the 60s.
0: I'm feeling so 60s even into 70s. Yeah,
1: so how the hell?
0: How the hell. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm, okay. I'm so fascinated. Um, She... Later said, the pictures were painted directly through me without any preliminary drawings and with great force. I had no idea what the paintings were supposed to depict. Nevertheless, I worked swiftly and surely without changing a single brush stroke. Now, could that
1: also be called like a muse when people say something worked through me i don't I, even yes, remember yes, yes. Thinking like those words. i wrote that
0: song in 5 minutes and right. it was just like i woke up and it was fully formed i put that down on paper and i don't yeah. remember writing it yeah it it seems like she was just when i hear that there was no like she didn't do any sketches or studies in advance mm-hmm. she was just sort of like now think of it i think she if i understand correctly she was putting the Painting the canvas or the paper on the floor and working on the floor. But it sounds like she would just, whatever that thing was, it was like moving through her. And she, with that, with great force, without changing a single stroke, was just like going for it. Wow. But I mean, I feel like in my lifetime, I've maybe had one of those moments where I was just like, it came to me fully formed. Yeah. She's yeah. had the, her body of work is nutty about that like she
1: was able once she went there she was able to tap back in yeah how do i get back to that state yeah
0: wow um as the commission progressed and the artwork developed from the organic and nature inspired to the more geometric hilma explained that she increased control and influence over what she painted serving more as an interpreter than as a medium a mystical idiosyncratic geometry emerged. You know, I sure as fuck didn't write that sentence. That's somebody from the Guggenheim wrote that sentence, oh. but it is a perfect sentence to describe her work. And now, remember the yes. big swirlies of yes. the paintings of the largest ten? So then we're moving into this what? and we're moving into can you use your human language to describe what oh, you're seeing Laura
1: gosh. oh my human language well it looks like a a pyramid with a like a graphic gorgeous sun
0: at the top but doesn't it it's a mystical so idiosyncratic geometry emerged Totally, doesn't crap.
1: it and it's so much more orderly than the last that's the tra- last was like the 60s psychedelic and this is much cleaner lines and oh my god that's a gorgeous. That's like a bull, a really colorful. Like it's like a bullseye, but with different colors and shades and, of like
0: rainbow and yeah. black and white. Um, wow! You look at some of her work now, and we'll it really looks like it could be the cover of a Pink Floyd album. Uh, yes, right. That's
1: exactly what that looks like.
0: But you have to remember when it was being made in the early 1900s. Also, Pink Floyd is a great band name. <laughs> we should. Someone should definitely use that. Um, So a little bit about the secret codes. There's all sorts of code in Hilma's work. Blue represented female. Yellow represented male. Green was the unity of male and female. And in her journal, she carefully charted all of these images and her corresponding philosophies this extensive library of ideas that she created. Um, so for instance, there will be botanical studies in there, and then next to them there's these little diagrams and infographics depicting the energy of the plant. Mm-hmm. It is, when you look at that those journals, her notebooks, it, it is like she's creating a new language and interpreting all of this sort of energy and Organic. It's it's fascinating, fascinating, and it's pristine. It's just beautifully done. Um, so the ten largest that group of paintings that I first showed you is known as the ten largest, which is also a great name for a band. Um, <laughs> apparently, the, they're supposed to each of the paintings is meant to represent the lifespan of humans from birth to old age, and I think you kind of need the Hilma of Clint Dakota Ring Journals to know that. Um, but these paintings were made in the early 1900s. And again, they look like they're painted in the 60s and I want one they're so badly. So amazing! They are, they are so beautiful. Um, when completed, the collection Paintings for the Temple, which had been commissioned by the spirits, oh, uh, the Huaga, the encompassed 193 paintings subdivided into several series and subgroups. It was one of the very first pieces of abstract art in the Western world, as it predates by several years the first non-figurative compositions of her contemporaries in Europe. What does that sentence mean? Let's unpack it. Yes, please say it again. So... I'm going to talk, I want to talk you through this because this, this is like, there's so many pieces of this that rock my world. At the turn of the 20th century, the world was on the brink of a dramatic change. Political, scientific, and cultural evolution was occurring, and art was changing too. Painters like Mondrian and Kandinsky began to replace mm. perceived reality, like that's a mm-hmm, tree, mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we all agree on, that's how you paint right. a tree, with signs and natural color with symbolic color. If you think of those Mondrian, those big blocks, blocks of, of color, like primary and colors. Pri- yeah, I was going to say primary Um they started turning from representation to abstraction and a new expressive form known as abstract art emerged. So the year 1907 apparently is important to remember uh, for modern, modern art lovers and historians. 1907 uh, is considered like maybe the year it all beca- began when Picasso um, started moving towards cubism with these splintered forms. And mm-hmm. I don't speak French, but le, le demoiselle Davignon, the the damn, uh, That's a familiar painting, yes, right? Yes. So it's that painting of like one, two, three, four, five, sexy nude ladies. Uh, that's starting forms, to get into yeah. like a, a more. It's moving towards cubism. That's 1907. But remember, mm. our homegirl Hilma began creating radically abstract paintings in 1906. And
1: she never would have seen that
0: no, anyway. No, girl, she was in another part in of the Stockholm. world. So this is years before Kandinsky and Mondrian and others would take similar strides and experience breakthroughs in their own work. Roberta Smith, again, in the New York Times says... Did you want to say something?
1: I just wanted to say, isn't it amazing... Um, In a time where information doesn't travel that quickly, ideas aren't shared that quickly, certainly visual representations of things can't be shared that quickly, how it is that change was happening all around the world. There's a phrase for that.
0: There's a phrase where, like in science, where I guess I have to look up what it is, where more than one Person yes. will make a discovery, but on different parts of the planet, yes. but right around the same time, it's yes. sort of like that discovery manifests.
1: Well, it makes way more sense now because you might read about something an exchange of information, and it In you know, split second, mm-hmm. someone posts something, and visually you can see what's happening elsewhere, but. In 1907, that was not the case. Right. That's amazing. I know.
0: So um, back to Roberta Smith. Roberta Smith, if you're listening, I'm sure you're not. You're a great writer for the New York Times, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure in other places. Um, She says, the idea that a woman got there first and with such style is beyond thrilling. Yes, I know art is not a competition, but still, off Clint's work seems so radical, so unlike anything else going on at the time. Her paintings definitively explode the notion of modernist abstraction as a male project. Wow. Get it, Roberta Smith. Get it, yes. Helma Afklint. Yes. I love it. Did
1: she, like, did people appreciate her in her?
0: Girl, we're going to get there. Oh, my god! We're going to get there.
1: You, I'm on the edge of my seat. Yes. Blackwell. So she,
0: she's nothing... Nothing, nothing, nothing like this is being made at the in the world at the time that she's making it. Nothing, and I just said her work predates Mondrian, Kandinsky, Paul Klee, who have long been considered the pioneers of abstraction. Mm -hmm. There's no evidence, to your point, there's no evidence that she was involved in an abstract movement of her male contemporary colleagues that she participated in the development of early modernism in Central or Western Europe. Nevertheless, she invented a similar non-representational aesthetic. Wow. Off Clint, working apart from those artists, doesn't fit into the story of the progression of abstract art. Oh, my God. I think, I, I think she was she's not easily, she doesn't easily fit into, like, the accepted art history. Can I
1: just make a note here? So it has obviously been studied and looked into to find out whether or not she was influenced right. by these men.
0: And I think the jury says No.
1: Jerry says, no, yeah. but I'm just curious, has anyone looked into whether or not these
0: men were influenced by her? It's an interesting question. Just curious. I, I, I'm not an art historian, but I think I may have an answer. Oh. Um, so Laura Cambion is the first person that introduced me to this idea that the – how did you used to say that? The gene that makes you a great artist – is not the same gene that makes mm. you confident about picking up the phone or sending the email of self-promotion. Yeah. Different different Those are different set. skills. Business acumen, different skills, self-promotion, the desire to be a maker, the desire to be a creator. Right? Mm-hmm. Um Kandinsky was actively campaigning for himself as being the first abstract artist, constantly writing his Uh, gallery and saying, hey, you know, I was the first. I painted the first abstract painting in 1911. This came from an art historian named Julia Boss. He was obviously successful, as he's widely considered the father of 20th century abstraction. But all the while, off Clint, much more privately, had already been creating these striking abstract visuals for years. Right. And who will tell your story? He was
1: obsessed, obviously, with someone telling his story. Yes. Sometimes the squeaky wheel, the one who's pushing for that. For legacy.
0: Just like, okay, dude. I'm interested in the motivation, her motivation. Yeah. Which was I felt like it was largely coming from what was very real to her, which was the, you know, these high masters, these spiritual guides moving through her and sending a message to the world through her. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm not an art historian. I don't know what was moving these men. But clearly, in addition to whatever was moving them creatively, some of them also had the acumen to say, "That's right. Remember, I'm the first. Write this down. Write my name in the history book. Acknowledge this. Yeah. Yeah." Um, mm. In a career spanning six decades, Hilma produced hundreds of paintings and thousands of pages of writing, notes, and drawings about while many of her better-known contemporaries published manifestos and exhibited wildly, wildly, and what? widely. Hilma kept her groundbreaking paintings largely private. Wow. Um, does it say why? Yes, girl, you oh know my it does. God. Before we get there, um, Maurice Tuchman, he's a famous curator uh, I'm I'm pronouncing your name wrong. Sorry, Maurice. But you Maurice. are a visionary. Mm-hmm. Um, he, was a, he was a curator. I don't know if he still is at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, contemporary curator. He explained that there are several reasons why her work might sometimes be left out. To a large degree, modern art history is made by the marketplace of Clint hasn't been out there to be seen and traded. She hasn't been purchased by important collectors and more importantly, major museums. He said of her work, which is exclusively owned by her foundation. Wow! Yeah, so it's not out being sold. It's not out being uh, even viewed. Uh, pieces in museums around the world, but there's reasons for that. Um. She, mm. So this actually reminds me of a side spark. And we'll get to her reasoning, mm-hmm. but it actually when I was – it's a spark I, I put in my file for another um, episode. It reminds me of the work of the outsider artist Henry Darger. Darger? I never mm-hmm. know how to pronounce his name. Do you know mm-hmm. him? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So he was that hospital custodian in Chicago who – he looked borderline um, – homeless but he had Mm -hmm. a job and he worked in a hospital and he was a quiet he was a quiet man Mm -hmm. and when he died they found a treasure trove of fantasy art that he had created during the course of his life does this ring any bells for you the Mm -hmm. vivian girls no No. it's another spark for another day but it's amazing Uh, but unlike henry hilma stipulated that her work not be shown for 20 years after her death what yep She had a vision that her work would contribute to influence not only the consciousness of people in general, but in its extension, also society itself. However, she was convinced that her contemporaries were not ready to perceive her work. She had received strict orders from the high ones, Mm -hmm. her spiritual Mm -hmm. leaders, not to show the paintings to anyone. She never aimed at exhibiting her esoteric and abstract works during her lifetime. The works of art belonged to the future and would only then be understood by the public. Oh. Shit. This gives me chills. It's kind uh, of like oh It's kind God. of like she knew that it was going to blow minds and PS look at that work and think yes. about it being created at like at the turn of the cent, like at the 1900s no
1: possible way you would get
0: you would place it in that time. They'd, I think they'd be no like burn the witch. way. They'd be like burn the yes. witch. Um But it's kind of like she put a message in a bottle and cast it into the Mm. sea of time and it bobs along for decades and then it gets opened up and then it gets read and appreciated. When was it allowed? So 20 years after her death was when? Um, So the first large format show to include Hilma's abstract work actually wasn't, um, it came 42 years after her death. In 1986, that Maurice... Tushman Tushman I'm so sorry mm-hmm. sir uh included from some of her work in the Los Angeles County Museum of Art show and so it was not till 1986 86 holy crap yeah wow so i just i'm so there i have so many it brings up so many sparks for me about like what are why are you making what you make? Mm-hmm. Who is it for? Mm-hmm. And I think for some of us, and I'll I'm, I'll clear myself in that it's some of it's pay attention to me, hey hey look at me mm-hmm. like some of it's about I want my self expression and wanting my voice to be mm-hmm. heard, and I feel like she just had this bigger vision that spanned it. It wasn't immediate. It was sort of like I have this message from the spirit world Mm -hmm. and you're not ready for it. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to work quietly in secret and Mm -hmm. it can be, It can be shared. I don't know. I think it's fascinating.
1: It is, especially because so often now we really put the value on how many people saw something, how many people bought a ticket to it, purchased it. How many
0: Instagram followers? How many Instagram
1: followers? Yeah. And we don't put the value on the art itself, like just being in existence, just having been made. I will say this.
0: I will say, I get, I get the impression from her, just a little bit. Again, I'm not an artist. but I get the impression that her, she, her family was affluent, and
1: well, yeah. I mean, you kind of have to assume that. I she think if had, you're going to
0: work in secret yeah. and never sell your work That's and right. be able to live and eat and have coal for the fire, yeah, you have to have some support, financial support, hundred percent. So for some of us your work you there's a financial imperative that your work Mm -hmm. is seen but i think for a lot of us there's a bigger piece around ego that there is a financial imperative but there's really a you know
1: a legacy thing hey hey look at me leaving yeah behind yeah what am i accomplishing yeah in my life
0: so spirals were a big recurring motif in her paintings and you could see Mm -hmm. that in in the 10 largest some of those spirals Mm -hmm. but it wasn't just on the page or the canvas it extended to her vision for the work's future exhibition she made sketches for a circular building to house her paintings where viewers would take in the work as they ascended a spiral staircase towards the heavens way girl And in the catalogue for the Guggenheim exhibition, they point out that Hilma conceived of this structure, this spiral yes. structure around nineteen thirty, just as uh, Hilla Rebay, don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, just as Hilla Rebe, the female abstract painter who was a founder of the Guggenheim, began imagining its architectural spiral.
1: Okay, now where was she from? Is there any possibility that those two connections were there? just
0: sitting? Watching a game of croquet, and we're like, sparks and ideas. I don't think so. Hey, I see a circular. I don't think so. I think I think that Hilma's vision for that came from the spirit world. I think it was a case of whatever that thing is that we were just describing, where on different corners of the planet. Because the planet is a big, square. <laughs> on, on different sides of the planet, there. Um, that's one of the sparks I'd like to. I'm an Earth flatist. <laughs> what do they call those people? Flat Earthers. Um, I I do think that those thoughts were happening separately. Wow. Yeah.
1: I'm sure they were. I was just like playing in my mind. What Isn't that? If? I know
0: we want to make it connected, but because I I want to make it disconnected. It's
1: so specific. It's so incredible that both of these women around the same time were imagining a building that is truly unique.
0: There's a beautiful short little video on the Guggenheim website about the Hilma off Clint exhibit. It's a really great um, it's been a source for a lot of the stuff that I'm sharing with you now mm-hmm. but the way that they it's brief but the way that they depict it visually yeah. about her envisioning this, this this ascending spiral where her work is exhibited yeah. Leading up to the heavens yeah. and the way they use the images of the Guggenheim and that is yeah. worth a watch. It gave me, it gave me chills. Um, cool. So in 1944, as war again raged in Europe, Mondrian and Kandinsky, two icons of abstract art, died with their legacy secured. That very same year, 1944, another artist passed, one whose work was yet unknown to the public, a female artist who worked to make the invisible visible. When Helma passed in the autumn of 1944, she left behind around 1,300 non-figurative paintings that had never been shown to outsiders and more than 125 notebooks and sketchbooks. In her will, Helma specified that her life's work should be kept secret for at least 20 years after her death. Her last wish was also that the collection should never be split up. Whoa! So no, no, I no, will not have a I, Hilma not, in my house. Not. Well, actually, there's a chance, but um, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, yeah, how about that? What? And she said that the spirits told her yeah.
1: this that it couldn't be seen mm-hmm. that people aren't ready for it yet. Yeah,
0: I, I know that they said don't don't um, show it until twenty years after your death. I don't know if it was her wish that the collection should never be split up, but that oh. prohibits people owning a piece of this That's art. right. You can't. Yeah. Um, wow. which again, I think is so baller because there's something about making something that isn't for commerce. Mm-hmm. Eventually it will be for, you know, consumption and appreciation and, you know, even receiving a spiritual message from the 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 yuga. But like it's not about It's, I don't know.
1: It's almost incomprehensible in our day and age where everything is commerce. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Wow.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, So the collection of abstract paintings and notebooks is today owned and managed by the Hilma Afklint Foundation in Stockholm, Sweden. And on their website, it says, Hilma Afklint painted for the future. That Mm -hmm. future is now Aww,
1: and so true
0: and that is my spark wow. um, i think it's worth mentioning that her life and work have also sparked an opera uh-huh. uh so it's interesting how creativity can beget creativity right. and can live in different forms so um it's called hilma an opera about hidden art and it's a two-person it looks like a parlor opera that was produced fairly recently and I think if I'm reading it correctly, it's a man and a woman play the two performers. Mm -hmm. One plays Hilma and one plays um, Rudolf Steiner, I think. They both had the last – both opera singers have the last name off Clint. I think they're both relatives of hers. But I don't know a ton about that. Okay. Um, Okay. But I also found – like just when I was searching and, you know, I found a dress – a dress for sale right now on the world wide webs with fabric inspired by her work. What? Okay. How can that be? Someone is, it's, it's inspired by it. So it's, it's that, that sort of in the largest 10, those paintings that I showed you. Yeah. Those it's, sort of that color so of that dusty purple that fabric and then it doesn't look like that though it's inspired something. by it like okay. they took that spark and yeah it's like that color purple with like it's not even flowers but it's like little um mm-hmm. a little graphic detail it doesn't look like you're wrapped up in one of those paintings but I thought it was interesting that people were taking sparks and then anything you do let it come from you then it will be new yeah. they were like yeah. letting it move it's through like, them ha- this
1: is how I see it um how I interpret it
0: I also found, you know, the painting that I showed you that looked like the cover of the Pink Floyd album with the, yes, yes. like the rainbow pyramid yep. and the big sun, uh, geometric sun behind it. I found that as a poster on overstock.com. So apparently, Wait. You, you can get a little piece no. of.
1: Hang on, that can't be right, though. They can't. I'm sure they. You don't think family... they licensed
0: that? You don't think the foundation has licensed that? So
1: how does that not break the rule of splitting up the paint? I don't know. If and you if you do, do split up the paintings, is it like
0: that episode of the Brady Bunch where they took a piece of like volcanic lava <laughs> off the island and you get the curse put on you? Well, that the high ones curse you.
1: I Look out. would be shocked if that was a real. Print like a like a licensed of the, print. Yeah. I
0: don't know. It was on Overstock. Um I feel like they would shut that down though, wouldn't they?
1: I don't know. I don't know. But you, I'm, you can, I'm followed, you, about. you can follow Hilma
0: on Twitter at Hilma off Clint. Okay, who's tweeting for that's her? the foundation. I I know
1: <laughs> that I know maybe but, it's the spirits. But still so I'm so curious. maybe it's
0: Azrael or whatever the fuck the name like, of that spirit I'm was
1: just as curious about this foundation because Azrael was
0: the name of the cat on the Smurfs not the name of one of the high ones <laughs> sorry do close respect them. high ones
1: close um I'm curious about this foundation though because if at some point have they found a way or determined that commercializing it to a degree is important. It's important that people see it. It's important. I, I mean, a Twitter or an Instagram page. I mean, I
0: mean, it, I don't know. I I'm don't know. i just curious. About- I also was curious because it sounded like in her, that first time her work was shown in the eighties, like in 86 in Los Angeles It didn't sound like it was the full collection. It sounded like some of her pieces were part of a larger show. And I thought, oh, Hmm. you're going to get the Helma curse for splitting Mm -hmm. up the collection.
1: No can do. That's not. No can do'sies. I'm so curious. I want to know more. But I'm not.
0: I got. That's what I got for you. Because I want to
1: know what people thought of her in her lifetime. I want to know, like those other four women. Did they say, "Mm, "This has gotten a little too weird. We're stepping off." I don't know. I
0: would think that the other four women would be down to clown. I would think like the world outside those walls that were like, oh.
1: I just wonder, or if they're like, we never see her. She's locked away, yeah. painting weird things that yeah. she won't show us. Can I'm you just imagine, curious. like, because
0: she spent clearly this was her life's work. So mm-hmm. you have to figure her days were quite full with this work. Yeah, and then when people came over, were were they like the locked doors and were like, we don't go into those rooms. That's
1: right, and I I wonder it because. To me, it's not. It doesn't matter what people think, but what I what it conjures up for me is this idea of like the fortitude and the strength that it takes for a person to go against the grain in that way, Mm -hmm. and to say, despite whatever you think, whatever my family thinks, you make a beautiful point. Do this, yes,
0: I have to do this.
1: And I wonder how many people she shared. with the fact that she got the direction from the spirits, so yeah,
0: I I don't know outside of the of uh, the five, the Friday, the Friday Club, I don't know.
1: And also, this was a time when people didn't take kindly to witchcraft. Um, well, it wasn't
0: like Salem, no, but it, it wasn't. wasn't
1: Salem, but people were like, "That's still yeah. a scary and weird thing." And, you know, it's not, it wasn't, you know, in social circles. I think there was accepted. that
0: spiritualist movement, though. I think that there was some of that. Hmm. Again, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but. That's not going to keep us from talking, though. <sighs> Just so you know. God. We don't We're experts on nothing.
1: <laughs> um need those details but that's that wow. oh and let me just show you a picture wow. of what she looked like just in case you're wondering okay we're gonna need to post all this stuff too so people that's what can... she looked
0: like that's wow. her sitting she there looks badass i i i think that she was
1: is there is there a movie in the works is there oh.
0: plays who movies? would play her i
1: mean like her story needs to be told
0: can I'm going to give you just, so just ways. don't, don't shut it down okay. yet. Okay. But if we're going to go with an American actress, okay, I'm going to give you Jennifer Lawrence.
1: Ooh. Maybe. I, I see Chloe. seven Sevigny. Sevigny. I know. No, I'd, you're probably right. I Chloe Seven, you've got an idea for you. Yeah, that's right. There's a right. there's an
0: idea for you. That's that's good. And wow. I think she's, she would be kind of the right person to do that.
1: People take it and make it. That's that amazing. is that is the
0: wild story of Hilma off Clint. Wow, Susan,
1: that's a really good spark. Thanks, it man. It sparks uh, many, many side sparks.
0: I felt Sparkly totally right sparked there. by it. Wow! Should we take That's a little break? Exciting. I think this is where we would insert a commercial for one of our sponsors. That's right. Who would be your um, dream sponsor? We don't have no. any sponsors yet. Oh,
1: My dream sponsor. Um, oh, geez! I, I, I would. My dream sponsor. I'd,
0: I'd be ch- uh, Chihuahua dogs, little dogs.
1: Little dogs would actually get together to buy an ad. Little dogs. For little dogs. Yes. <laughs> buy buy little dogs. for little dogs. <laughs>
0: Where you buy little dogs? Fire, fire. All right.
1: Woo! Here we are.
0: What you got for me, Sparky? Ready as we'll ever be.
1: Um, the name of my spark this week is Beware
0: the Diderot Effect. Beware the Diderot Effect. Yeah,
1: that's just the title.
0: I <laughs> <You> made that. <laughs> <laughs> just to make it sound You're like, it has little. nothing to do with, the, with f- the spark that's about to hit you in the face. But
1: that's the name <laughs> of it. <laughs>
0: well, I like it.
1: Um, no, this is um, essentially, have you ever had that sort of feeling of like, if I could just accomplish like one more thing? this one thing and then life's going to be easy for me from then on out. Do you can right? I jump
0: in right yeah, in at jump the top? Right My in. meditation teacher, the great Emily Fletcher. Yeah. Do you mean like is that like I'll be happy when syndrome? A little bit. Yeah. If I could just have x number of dollars yeah. in the bank, then, then I could be happy that. or if I if I could just get out of eighth grade, if I can just get to high school, then I'll be happy no, kind of thing.
1: It's more like something that you accomplish if or if I get this done, if I clean the house, uh, mm. uh, then it's it's I, great. I feel that
0: every single day.
1: Every day. I have a feeling you may feel some things when I talk
0: about this spark, Susan.
1: <gasps> oh feelings. Um, I want you to have them all. Okay.
0: I'm going to have them so, all over you. So the thing- <laughs> and you, the listener at home. This Ew. is Susan Blackwell telling you to fuck off.
1: Um, yes. Yeah, I don't so really mean that. I'm is- just joking. No.
0: So I Sorry. Don't go don't ahead. Don't, spark no, it up.
1: So um, the thing is that if you you have this um, this feeling that you know this one thing I, I need to change this one thing and and then I'm gonna be good but then of course you do you accomplish that thing or you change the thing or what whatever it is and then there's one more and then there's one more yes. and there's one more right yeah okay so there's a name for this,
0: this, I, is, this I live in this zone
1: <laughs> it's about to get real real for shit. you even realer. The um, There's a name for this, the Diderot effect. And I might be pronouncing this man's name wrong. It's French.
0: Diderot. Dennis. Diderot. Diderot? Yeah. But We're I'm just going to say, say Diderot. Diderot.
1: Yeah. Um, so if I'm getting it wrong, I'm going to boldly repeat it. <laughs> And Several be times consistent <laughs> about it. That's what I'm gonna do. Strong and wrong. So, <laughs> strong and wrong, baby. Strongly wrong. Okay. So uh Dennis was a French philosopher, he was an art critic, he was a writer, and he lived in the time of Voltaire, the Enlightenment. Seventeen
0: hundreds. Seventeen hundreds. Yep. Yes. This is where we start to learn how bad I am at history dates wow. geography thank
1: goodness we have a podcast strap in folks oh right. jesus we're gonna learn some things mm. so uh didero was very well read one of the things that he did was found like the encyclopedia basically with with others but um but when he decided to be a writer in the first place, his father disowned him. So he became like a bohemian, and he lived always without very much money. Okay. Okay. Um, so later, a little bit later in his life, he needed money for his daughter's dowry, and it pretty much wiped him out of any. That that was it. He was bone dry. And he decided he needed to sell his prized possession, which was his library, oh. because he's <laughs> an intellectual. I was like,
0: <laughs> himself.
1: Magic beans? <laughs> uh, no, it was his library. So because he was a smarty pants and had collected and written, and you know he had all these great books in his library. So Catherine the Great over in Russia yeah. um, hears of this, and she offers him a ton of money to uh keep that library for her and she gives him the greatest deal known to man. She's like I'll give you a thousand a year. You maintain it until you die. I'll even give you 50 years advance. So it's like a shit ton like Wait, wait, wait.
0: and where do the books live?
1: With him. Oh. So he's essentially he gets to keep his library until and he she, dies and then she takes it. Oh. But he gets infused with like 50 years he's, of tons money. tons of cash. That's right. He has, now he's, Damn. You know he's loving it. Yeah. So he uh, very regretfully, one of the things he did was buy himself a
0: new scarlet robe. This story's got it all. Okay. I have no idea where you're going. Did he? So, did he oh. His, his, scal-
1: his oh. new scarlet robe. And this robe was so beautiful so luxurious that he suddenly felt compared to the rest of his life everything else looked dingy oh i needed to be redone girl
0: (laughs) take it away i know that feeling (laughs) right i'm i'm gonna tell you a story do
1: it do it
0: a couple christmases ago Mm -hmm. my sweet sweet baby nathan gave me a watch it's the nicest thing I own. It's by far the That's nicest right. thing I own. That's right. And I was like, I need to pimp up. I I don't have clothes that are as That's nice right. as this. Like I was like, I need to live. I need to. That's right. My lifestyle needs to rise up to be as nice as this watch. But this is exactly. That was my lush, lush, yes. Danny Diderot. Yes, scarlet robe. <laughs> I've, no, I I really that mean was that. Your
1: scarlet robe, a hundred percent. It does something you to your do. brain. When I remember those chandeliers that I put in uh, Wes and I put in yeah. our bedroom, yeah, 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 they're glorious.
0: Were you like that bedspread's got to go?
1: Now I'm like, babe, everything else needs to level up. These yes. these chandeliers are so gorgeous. Yes. So I totally get this feeling. Oh, basically, what Diderot did was spend every <sighs> fucking dime redoing his entire life to go with the scarlet robe. I have robe. a theory.
0: I have a theory. Uh, yes. Do you want to m- yes. my theory? Yeah. I think that there is a chemical rush that we get mm. when we get our scarlet robe. And I think we're chasing, we're chasing that rush of the Scarlet Road. We're
1: chasing the rush. I think it. And also, you cannot,
0: you can't win. You know, you could win the lottery. That's the curse of the lottery. I was
1: just gonna say, it's lottery winners, yeah. right? And so a lot of times, those the are my favorite. Effect, I love
0: the curse of the lottery <gasps> shows.
1: It's so tragic. Because, I know, but
0: it's, we're all like, I, not I me. I'd would. do it differently. Mm-mm. Would we? Would Mm-mm. we?
1: No, probably not. That's what the Diderot effect usually is referring to: um, our inability to like stop
0: consuming things <gasps> that we don't need. <laughs> this is you are
1: like hey, you are going for the jugular. Oh my god! You are
0: actually putting language to mm-hmm. you are organizing something in my mind that has just been like a free floating. Uh, what do they call it? C- c- um, compulsion.
1: That's right. There is of
0: a course there for is. It. Of course there, there are people is. people who have studied it. Okay, keep going.
1: And a lot of times they talk about it, like one of the reasons it's so strong is because it does relate to our identity. So like when you got the new watch yeah. from Nathan, you could look at that watch and see yourself as the kind of person who, who wears that watch like this that. nice.
0: P.S. And as a girl who grew up in like a mm-hmm. dirty... You know, kind of a poor, I love my Mm -hmm. family, I I love my life. I know you do. But I'm like, I never thought I'd be a girl with a watch like that. With a watch like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's essentially his scarlet robe. And he was like, he literally said prior to the purchase, his sense of self was as the writer, the man who works. This is how he saw himself his entire life. And suddenly, there was a disconnect when he put that robe on now. He was like, I suddenly have the air of a rich good for nothing. But rather than get rid of the robe, he changed his entire life. He to reordered suit the his robe. whole life.
0: This makes That's me want right. to cry for some reason.
1: <sighs> I don't know why it's, <sighs> it's our, it does give me feelings. And we're gonna we're gonna work it out. There's
0: something about this that is um it's like a oh Henry yeah. story or something. It's,
1: there's tragedy. Yeah. But But, you know, one of the things I think we'll find as we go episode to episode, like I love to take, um, you know, a psychology term or a scientific term and Kind of it really expand it my own. Its definition, <laughs> you know, because it doesn't really have to be proven to be anything. But I'm not alone in this because I did, you know, I did, I dug around and researched this a bit, and and there are other people who are like, this effect can apply to other things, so beyond just the purchasing of of stuff, um, which it's most frequently mm-hmm. referred to in relation to that, but um, but it can also refer to like ideas and plans and our human nature at large. So for example, I might have an idea for um, rewriting a script, one of my scripts. I'm like, yes, I need to like, you know what? I need to tweak that character's arc, whatever. That then leads to me thinking about actually all of my scripts need a little bit of reworking. But, you know, before I rework those, I might need to organize all of them. I should put all of those notes into an enormous list of things that I need to do. And I should organize all of those things into a new organization system. And I clean my office. And holy shit. Each one of those things, it's just like on and on. Like it won't be done or it won't be satisfying until I do all of that, which is ridiculous and overwhelming or like I just mentioned to you the other day when you take a vacation and you have time off and you're like you can't just say that you need to do the one thing I need to do while on vacation
0: is this Ugh.
1: it snowballs These into expectations
0: about all the things, things you're going to accomplish
1: that's right and then and you, then you just you struggle
0: with. with the disappointment yeah, uh, that you let yourself down. That's right. Yeah, with
1: regret of it, and then you know, you, how you, I spend you my fail time your vacation. Exactly, big old uh, f on so that fucked. one. So, you know, it's basically like a, a little bit of a warning. So my my spark applies to. It's like. The success and the self worth that we attach to these things, like if I if I do this one thing and then the next, and before you know it, like my entire life has to be reimagined in order for me to feel like any sense of accomplishment or pride or self worth. So let that be a, a warning. Um, I know in regard to the consumption piece that I knew that would relate to you. I don't know if you want to share your mantra for the year about consumption. Oh,
0: yeah. My mantra for the year is um, create more, consume less. Create right. more, consume less. More and that's something that came out of, much. sorry, I'm going to take a tangent. Yeah, do. Um, long way to grandma's house. Here we go. Uh, it came out of this uh, year and end of 2018 a uh, over a month long creativity challenge mm-hmm. where I and anybody who wanted to join me online, right. um, we set out to just do something creative every day. And by just setting that little challenge, but also compassionately, so we weren't just like, what you must mm-hmm. like, it was just sort of mm-hmm. like, it could be. That you and, buttered and, your bread differently. Like it, just yeah. some um, act of applied imagination every yeah. day. And it really reordered and reprioritized a lot of stuff for me in a really surprising way. And I had a realization that I think sometimes when I buy stuff, I don't even mm. think compulsively because I live within so my means. Thoughtfully, yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, But I'll still be like... I'll still buy stuff when I'm like, I don't know I really have the money doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm not. It's not extreme. But I realized that when I was making something every day, I was like, oh, that consumption is a counterfeit. I'm trying to counterfeit the feeling mm-hmm. that I get when I actually create something. Am creative. That's right. I am trying. Like as easily and lazily as possible to counterfeit whatever that wonderful thing is that – I think Mm -hmm. it's like a – I feel like it's like a – what's the word? Like endorphins or something that move through you when when you're in creative flow. That's right. And I'm like, I think that I'm trying to replace it with the dopamine that I get when I push purchase –
1: That's right. You know what I mean? That's right. And we probably could have talked for an hour just about, like, the consumerism side of this, uh, you know, of this Diderot effect because there are so many reasons psychologically why people do it and consume more than they need or things they don't want. Or like there's a whole yeah. lot of theories yeah. about that. But I think it is interesting as it relates to creativity to like, is it a distraction? Is it something that mirrors that feeling yeah. that you're like, Oh, I feel like I did something today. Is it procrastination Actually, that's covering
0: up fear of, yeah. of the, the vulnerability of making something? Yeah, that's
1: right. And so my spark, I was just, this just sparked a reminder for me to just, do, just make the thing and, and don't get caught up in like what's next or what else needs being done. And if I just make a list first, if I just do these 10 things first, then I can do the thing. No, just fucking do it.
0: So that's your, I was going to ask you and I thought she's going to get there. She's going to get me there. I just want to say it again because Mm -hmm. I want to iron it in and try to remember it for myself. Mm So you're oh god. This, sometimes when I'm learning something like this moment right now, it gets so slippery for me. It's so slippery that it's just like smoke, and it just like you got it. I can't get my hands around it. But but what you're saying is, when we as creative people have a creative impulse to um, polish a script or tweak a mm-hmm. script, for instance sometimes a thing can, can can occur a distraction or or this blooming blossoming compulsion to well if i'm going to do that then i should I should polish all these other scripts. And if I'm in there already, if I'm in the documents, then I might as well do that like master Bible of, you know what, if I'm going to do that, I need to take all the, I'll do Mm -hmm. it on that wall in my office, but that means I've got to move all the art to the other side of the room. You know what, I'm going to clean the office. Like that sort of, when that sort of thing happens, just to stop, like sort of let your conscious mind insert itself and say, or how about you just polish that script, Just that, do the that initial thing. creative impulse that you had, how about you tend to that? Just wear this scarlet Did I get, robe
1: and don't, don't imagine transforming mm. your life around it. Just wear the robe in the rest of the apartment. So, as can you is. keep your
0: bedspread with your new and yes. your fancy chandelier master bedroom? We are keeping bedroom?
1: it all. Well, I might. Yeah. Honestly, I, I might change a couple yeah, yeah, things. Yeah. But no, I, we're not re envisioning the entire bedroom around the chandeliers because it's not necessary. And it's literally, it's just
0: a distraction. Is there any part of this to, I always think one of the things I love about you, Laura, came in and I feel like listeners will learn this if they hang in this podcast with us and PS, if we keep making this podcast, we will. I don't know. Oh, we will. We will see. We will. I like your commitment yeah. Yeah. to, um, we will. I like your commitment to goals. I like you. You often see the positive side of things oh. and the, there's a positive side to this, which is, maybe you do receive the the plush scarlet robe or maybe yes. you do receive the watch and maybe you strive to make a better life or maybe you yeah. like clean up your act in some way or like
1: yeah you might but you also might like essentially just as it relates to course. identity no i think as it relates to identity it both things can be true you can be a woman who wears that watch and you can have a shabby old sweater in your closet with moth holes in it that you wear around happily and joyfully. Hello. These two things Eyebrow, don't have lowbrow. to. Yeah. Yeah. One doesn't have to kick the other out. I can finish a script, polish it, and send it off to someone to read before
0: you I clean fix your entire all office. The other, <laughs> exactly. Before you recondo your entire house. That's right.
1: That's right. I don't have to. You don't have to do all of that. All things can exist. I can be a great writer and send my scripts out, and have a completely disorganized pile of other scripts and thoughts, and you know, all that. All that is okay. All Mm -hmm. of it can be true. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It, you know, the problem in terms of this Diderot effect it comes in when you think, oh, everything has to be transformed before I can take an action. Wow. Not so. We are here to just do it.
0: So the house can be, the laundry can be undone. Mm -hmm. The house can be, there can be dishes in the sink. And you can still, if you have a creative impulse to. You can put on your scarlet
1: robe. You
0: can put on your fancy watch. And then you can paint. Get out your watercolors. (laughs) And just do it, and the dishes will still be there. <laughs> the
1: dishes will be there.
0: That <laughs> is awesome. And say the name of it again:
1: the Diderot effect. The
0: Diderot effect.
1: Although I'm sure we're, I might be saying
0: oh, uh, effect. Well yeah. done. Thanks. That's news you can use. That's news
1: you can use right here.
0: Can okay, you? blackwell baby cam that was our first our
1: very first episode one. of the spark
0: file and we hope that this put a bunch of sparks in your file that's right hey listen to me listen to the sound of my voice if there's a spark mm-hmm. you'd like for us to explore or there's a spark you'd like to share won't you please email us at the spark file at gmail.com spark. and um be sure to subscribe to our podcast yes. wherever you get your podcasts yes please as the children say subscribe rate and review listen
1: if something about this if anything tickled your fancy and gets your creative juices flowing it is your turn now to take a spark and fan it in a
0: into a sweet little flame you got to write it you got to recite it you got to a see it you got to go on and be it
1: Woo! just take it and, and make, make it
0: my ah. when I bump into something that inspires me I dump it in my spark files could be something that I wanna make or how I wanna be I pump it in my spark files I jump into my spark fire Let's open up the spark fire Hi, friends. It's Susan Blackwell from The Spark File, your one-stop shop for creativity where our doors are open. And if you smell something delicious, that's because Laura Camion and I have been cooking up something special, something designed to make a big difference in people's creative lives. Enter The Brave Creative, a free five-day guided adventure to rediscover the vitality energy and possibility in your creative process. Whether you're a writer, a performer, a baker, a candlestick maker, navigating the creative process can be a bear, but never fear. There's power in numbers at The Spark File, so let's link arms and make the trip together. It's May 13th through 17th, 7 p.m. Eastern, less than one hour per day, and if you can't join live, don't worry about it. You can watch the replay. Join us by going to thesparkfile.com to register. And hey, if you're not familiar with The Spark File, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Secondly, we work with hundreds of creatives of all different kinds who are ready to take their next big step we help folks fear less and create more in a community that is so fun and vibrant and if you have joined us before know that we are going deep with the brave creative so buckle up buttercup it is going to be an awesome adventure go to thesparkfile.com to register but do it soon because it all starts may 13 thesparkfile.com register now